0: We talking rom-com, we talking action We talking drama and movie classics Whatever you want, yo we have it Cause we talking movies on a podcast So I married a film critic So I married a film critic so I married a film critic. Hey honey, I just want to so talk I'm about the movie like casually. Critic. You don't have to so bring up mar- cinematography. Honestly, let's just talk about like how the characters were fun. So I married a film critic. So I married
1: a film critic. So I married a film critic. A discussion between a professional film critic and lecturer and me, his wife of almost 20 years, who just likes to watch movies for fun. I'm your co-host, Julia.
0: Hey, everyone. This is Barry the Film Critic, and here's a trivia question for you. So, more of a riddle, actually. So, what does pottery sex, banking, a fake psychic, murder, and the afterlife have in common? Well, absolutely nothing, unless you're talking about Jerry Zucker's 1990 mega blockbuster Ghost.
1: Ooh, nice.
0: Coming in hot tonight. (laughs) You came prepared. I've seen this movie. That's my preparedness. And I got to say, I mean, I got swept up in the phenomenon of this movie. I did. I could, you know, there's some films. It's like, you know, I mean, for example, my parents, not not both of my parents, but I won't say which one of my parents really tried to sell me on this movie called Love Story. They came out in 1970. At the time, it was one of the biggest hits of all time. It was the top-grossing love story of all time. Uh, you know, The soundtrack was huge. The book was huge. And it was one of these things where I read the book by Eric Siegel, and I saw the movie, and I thought both of them were just dogs. I've never been a fan of love story. But this film, when it came out in the summer of 1990, I mean, I'll talk more about it because there's a lot to say about it. it was really Which film?
1: Ghost? Ghost, oh, yeah sorry. Okay.
0: When Ghost came out in 1990, 20 years later, it, uh, it was one of these things where there was almost no expectations towards this movie. It was really, I mean, it wasn't even considered a sleeper. This movie was on no one's radar. It opened at the, the very end of summer. And there was this nationwide sneak preview that the studio had for this movie. And I got to see it during that weekend. So when the film actually opened up, there was already an audience that just adored it and wanted to see it again and again and again. And they did. And this thing became one of the biggest hits of all time. Mm. And I like the film a lot, but uh, but to, to really get into it before we just get into the plot synopsis, the thing about this movie that I really really admire, truly admire, is that the tonal shifts are insane, but it feels like it works. I've like, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that every scene works. I'm not saying that the movie is always as funny or is certainly it's not really, you know, for a film that among the genres, it's horror and it's really not a scary film, but like for all the, the tonal shifts this movie takes on, it feels really smooth. I mean, this is like Terry Gilliam level transitioning from genre and mood um, I really admire how this film is kind of genreless. It really—it's mm-hmm. not a comedy, it's not a love story, it's not a fantasy. It's kind of all of those things and more. Um, and I really dig that—that that this film like is constantly changing channels on the kind of movie you're watching, and it feels pretty seamless.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's a good observation. Um, all right, well, let's get into it because the opening of this movie, like, really wants to be a horror film.
0: Yeah, it's kinda like the opening of E. T., you know, like the, the, yeah. the title is like, Ooh, it's spooky, but yeah. No, I think that's probably the scariest part of the entire film. <laughs> it's like the the title pops up, it's like a jump scare, it's like Ding, ghost. And yeah. then yeah. and then we're it's a slow crawl across this uh basically this this room with all this dust and solder. Well, we're
1: basically getting a tour of what Sam and Molly's new apartment is yeah. gonna be and it's like what a Junky, like, did someone move out and just leave everything? Did like a hoarder live there? And then they just decided to leave. And now
0: Sam and Molly have to clean it up. Well, consider what this film ultimately is about. I think it's talking about the passage of time. It's talking about, you know, how things age about how things go away. I mean, we're looking at an environment that's like, you know, full of dust and solder and neglect. You could say it's a it's like a room that has died from from being left alone
1: mm Well, and that's and, what
0: we got our opening credits over.
1: Well, and also, this place is massive. So for a New York apartment, I mean, maybe they got a deal because it just came with all this junk. But... or
0: it's a movie because even <laughs> in 1990, there's no freaking way. you have an apartment this size unless your name is Woody Allen or Jerry Seinfeld. There's no way he's he's a banker she's she's a an artist yeah, yeah there's absolutely no way i mean i mean this is bigger than jennifer Beale's apartment in flashdance where she was living in in philly i mean there's no way <laughs> it's a movie and you know what's great about apartments this size it's like okay the camera crew is going oh great we could fit our crew yeah
1: you know, yeah this is exactly. great
0: because it's going to look a little tight but yeah sure enough they've got those you know those shots where they're you know on the second floor looking down and it's Massive, it's implausible, but it's like okay, this is a thirty million dollar movie, really low budget, by the way, for for nineteen ninety. This was a low budget film, thirty million, and you know they could fit all of the crew into these these spaces that would otherwise be
1: practical decision.
0: I think so because otherwise it doesn't make any sense how nice this place is, and really like they're not. I mean, like we'll, we'll
1: talk about it, but I think I mean Sam is a banker,
0: which I just figured that
1: out this time watching it, and he's dealing with like you know multi multi million
0: dollar accounts. Yeah, but look at his office. I mean, it's not a whole lot better than Michael Scott's. Come no. on, seriously. Like you're right. I mean, I've had you know colleagues in academic academics. You know, like even the place I'm at now. Like one of one of my boss's bosses. I mean, it's a massive room. It looks like the Apple store. There's glass everywhere. I'm serious. Like, it's way nicer than Sam Wheat's office. (laughs) Okay, so we
1: we open with the scene in their apartment, and then... Carl and Sam and Molly are breaking apart walls and like remodeling. Sam Wheat is played by
0: the late, great Patrick Swayze. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Um, uh, You know, state state the very obvious. Uh, Tony Goldwyn, who is really, I mean, this was a big showcase role for him, but man, he's gone on to become a very, uh, very prominent and very impressive actor, I think, Mm -hmm. in his own right. You you used to watch Scandal, right? Yeah. Yeah, because remember, you were a fan of Scandal. That's how you started it. We used to have a lot of conversations about Tony Goldwyn. And this is the wonderful demi moore You know in a role that really i mean we'll talk all about it but like this everybody in this movie it, the the film changed their careers but demi moore in particular um this was a huge huge career step for her
1: so they're remodeling and like carl and sam are just not wearing shirts breaking apart walls and stuff and <laughs> that's your
0: observation no
1: and you and i were like oh, that looks like a lot of asbestos
0: and just like who would do this asbestos mold dust and these guys are shirtless like they're playing volleyball and top gun yeah exactly so what i think it is i think that these guys i mean i think it's a side hustle and probably where the real money came the start money and i i think they're probably like instead of the property brothers it's like we're the we're the shirtless bros man yeah we'll like we'll we'll you know they're like two men in a truck exactly Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll bet that's part of it, and that's probably how he met Molly. Because otherwise, why in the world would a banker meet someone who's you know whose prime source of what income is making pots?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. Like she kind of mentions that she has like a she's going to be interviewed by like a New York Times reporter later on, and it's like. Is she just kind of up and coming? Does anybody know who she is?
0: Do you think maybe they were looking for pots, you know, for like the office, for the you know, for the the office plant? And she's
1: like, "I'll make it."
0: She's like, "Oh, you, you're the sh- you're one of the shirtless bros. Oh, we know who you guys are. Do you do birthday parties, or are you just do working on apartments?" <laughs> birthday
1: parties. Okay, so. um we find out that Sam and Carl work together, and they're headed to the office. They're best friends. Yeah, they're best friends, and they're doing this like elevator prank where they get into this crowded elevator, and um Sam is like, "So what the doctor say?" And he's like, "Yeah." Carl's like, "Yeah, it's pretty bad, you know." I think it's contagious. And he starts coughing. He's like, "What? What about the rash?" He's like, "Well, it's it's spreading." He's like, "Yeah, to your genitals." He's like,
0: "Yeah." <laughs> So, not to spoil the mood, because I love this scene too, but is this scene still funny in 2023?
1: I, you know what? I was like,
0: <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh. Can we laugh at this now? In
1: Yeah, in the age of COVID, <laughs> this would be... I mean, people would probably just like call 911
0: on you if you did this. I mean, this is like a scene from Contagion now. Yeah. <laughs> But it is still pretty funny. Well, it's great because it establishes the the back and forth of these guys. And by the way, this film is directed by Jerry Zucker. Um, what, it's such a strange, completely out of left field choice for him? Jerry Zucker, as of as in the Z A Z Zucker Abram Zucker comedy team, uh, the you know one of the creators of Airplane, Roofless People, uh, one of my all time favorite comedies, The Naked Gun. Um, This guy is a farce and comedy master. So, of course, there's moments like this throughout the film where the comedy is really, really sharp. But overall, this is the last film you'd expect from Jerry Zucker, who after this went on to make My Life with Michael Keaton, which I like a lot. He did A Guilty Pleasure for Me, which is First Night. Mm -hmm. And then the last film to date that he's directed, I think it's one of his last films, uh, which is Rat Race. Oh, I love Rat Race. <laughs> he's he's a comedy. I mean, he's huge. They don't talk about him like you know Mel Brooks or whatever Judd Apatow, but like Jerry Zucker and the, you know the Zaz team. I mean, they are they are comedy legends. I mean, Airplane and especially the Naked Gun movies. I mean, ugh, I love those movies.
1: Okay, so we're kind of getting some establishing shots here. Oh my gosh! Um, oh, I just thought I deleted all my notes. Sorry, <laughs> we're fine. <laughs>
0: It's okay. We just act out the rest of the movie. Yeah. We are getting to the pottery scene, (laughs) actually.
1: Okay, so there's an important meeting and... You know, we kind of are seeing that.
0: It's 1990s, so there's talks about Japanese businessmen. Like, oh, all right, there you go, movie. You're, you're very of your time. You know, that's like every every, every movie that dealing with corporate America dealt with fear or paranoia or bigotry uh, about Japanese businessmen. Um, this movie doesn't go, it doesn't really develop that so much, but it does, I mean, you know, it's like, oh, okay, this film is very of its time in that way.
1: Well, I was going to say, um, we find out that Sam is kind of, he's in an office, he has an assistant, and I think Carl is like, I don't know if he's working under him, but he's, you know, kind of out in, you know, the cubicle area
0: of the office. So, I Oh, don't... yeah. No, it's a, it's a Michael Scott, Dwight Schrute situation. Let's just say it. <laughs> He is out there with the rest of the office scum. Sam has his office with a door and a window. So, yeah, no, no question. Carl is out there. I mean, he's in economy and Sam's up in first class. Yeah. Come on. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well... All right, but see, I, and I'm sure. I I'm
0: sure he considers himself. Well, hey, I'm the assistant to the office manager. I'm sure he has like those. I'm talks assistant to director, not assistant to the director. <laughs> I mean, like we're talking about the office, but like, I mean, so, you know, the office could easily be a thriller, right? And you know, and, and that's. I mean, that's what it you would mean. Would office be. space or the office? I mean, the office. Oh, okay. You know, like that. Yeah. I mean, those those characters are funny and engaging and endearing, but like, really, you know, Michael Scott, Dwight Schrute, you know, they could easily be like a single white female kind of movie, and this is what it would. <laughs> what it would be really <laughs>
1: okay so um now we have sam and molly like in bad talking and sam is just like you know what's he reading you said he was reading he's reading
0: thinner was- by richard bachman of course which is I really stephen king-, king it is stephen king but oh. stephen king wrote under the name richard bachman and it caught it took fans about five minutes to be like this reads like a king novel mm. and then king was like surprise it's me <laughs> <laughs> In terms of oh like you're actually Richard Bachman because Richard Bachman published a lot of novels.
1: Random facts. On anyway, well
0: we'll we'll do an episode on King. I promise that's coming.
1: Okay, so he, so Sam is like kind of worried and and he's just like whenever anything good happens, I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. And she says, "I love you," and he says. Ditto. <laughs> and that's kind yeah. of the, his thing.
0: It's his thing. You can't say, I love you. Can I just say, though, this scene where, yeah, they're watching the news and they're talking about just the horror of, of yet another plane crash. I love this scene so much. The, the last time I watched this with you, it really wasn't that long after Patrick Swayze passed away. We have sadly lost him um, to cancer, I believe. And uh, this scene really moved me. Um, you know, the, the it's foreshadowing, but the character is also, you know, As we often do, we're talking about his mortality and, you Mm -hmm. know, and and talking about how fragile and scary life is. Um, And, uh, yeah, he can't, for whatever reason, he can't quite bring himself to say I love you to the, you know, obviously. The love of his his life. love of his life to me, more okay. Because
1: he's like, people say I love you all the time and
0: it's meaningless. It's like, okay,
1: well. Can you make it meaningful?
0: And the film doesn't really, you know, the the, the it's fine. I, I think it's fine. I mean, the film is off and running. It doesn't give a lot of backstory. I mean, we really don't know who these characters are. We don't know if Sam is this way because, for example, his father is this way or if this is how he is with business. Like, n- none of those things. It's just like we're just seeing the one thing that's lacking in his relationship with Molly. It's just whatever it is. Like, he's he can't say, I love you. Uh, but beyond that, I'd say they're, you know, they're a pretty uh, pretty good couple, and, you know, certainly, um, as the next scene shows, you know, pottery is definitely a, a very eventful for them.
1: Yeah, because she gets up in the middle of the night, she can't sleep, and she's making pottery, and then we see that the jukebox in their apartment that has, like, who knows how many records. I mean, this thing is, like, could be found in a bar or some well, restaurant. As,
0: as we've established in an earlier scene, this is, uh, I think, like, what, they're on the third or fourth floor up? It mm-hmm. must have been a nightmare getting that jukebox up there. Oh my god! They're trying to get this angel statue up there, and it's such a pill. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? Like, oh, like, oh, god, Sam Wheat, that that jerk again. We got to carry this like jukebox. Every time, oh. Well,
1: every time they move, it's so annoying.
0: You guys, got, if like, Sam Wheat calls. We are not here. Okay, we can't <laughs> move anything. From, all my guys have hernias because of this. We trip. are
1: charging them quadruple our quote from last time because we have to like hoist things up on ropes and like pull it through windows outside. Like they can't even take things up the stairs. Mr.
0: Wheat, we're done. We 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 got your jukebox. It's all set up. We can plugged in. Okay, guys, in my truck I've got about seven boxes of vinyl records. No! Oh this guy! Oh God
1: <laughs> Okay, so we see we see Molly in her element, you know, just making pots.
0: <laughs> making
1: pots. Just just <laughs> using that. She's getting that clay all in her fingers, you know, and then Sam come wakes up and I mean, he messes up her pot, man. You know, I don't know. Or who, does he? Who knows does how long make it she's better? been working on that
0: thing. <laughs> Do you think Sam is the thing that keeps her career from soaring? Because he's just constantly ruining her pots.
1: <laughs> She's like, I get up in the middle of the night so you don't bother me, and you keep
0: waking up and coming out here. This is my special pot, okay? It was for a funeral home. They already put a down payment, and he ruined it again. Now, I mean, what does it look like? It looks like a giraffe that's dying, okay? <laughs> that's what it looks like, Sam. <laughs> okay, so they um, then what, what, then what happens?
1: Unchained. Yeah melody yes. is on the
0: and, jukebox oh boy is it ever yep. yep and uh yep we're describing this scene like obviously then what happens you you know what happens this is one of the most famous scenes in yep. cinema which is bizarre because you know what scene this movie doesn't need this one oh really this movie doesn't This scene does nothing for the film 'Cause this cause when he's well, in bed talking to her, that's that's it, right? Yeah, that's we don't true. really need a, a a pottery sex scene. We don't.
1: Well there's no sex that happens. He's wearing
0: his pants the entire time. You gotta be careful, okay, with when there's clay everywhere, okay? You gotta gotta protect yourself. Oh, and
1: by the way, like they're all messy with the clay, and then two seconds later, they're in the bedroom, no clay. Like they what, did they take showers?
0: Maybe it was edible clay. Maybe she's like, "Ooh, Sam's up. I'm gonna get the chocolate clay out. Yeah, little little snack."
1: Okay, quick story about this movie when I was a kid, like junior high.
0: You saw this in junior high? Oh, you scandalous! Well,
1: there was um, a friend who was having a sleepover, and oh,
0: that's how it always happens. I don't even
1: think it was a sleepover. Well, maybe it was, but this was the movie she wanted to watch, like with you know all the
0: girls. And you were let's see, this is ninety, so
1: sixth or seventh grade.
0: Okay, it's so like 13, 14? Yeah. Okay.
1: And so I told my mom, like, hey, mom, you know, Christina's having this sleepover. You have to get a note from mom? Well, I was, you know, <laughs> me and my mom were really close, even back then. Yeah. And I told her, like, they want to watch the movie Ghost. And my mom's like, oh, I don't know. It's a little bit scandalous. You know, she was thinking about this scene. And so she was like, okay, here's the deal. If you can go to the sleepover and watch the movie, as long as you cover your eyes during the scene. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, "Okay, mom." And I did. I didn't watch
0: it. Really? Yeah. No. So as soon as you heard the righteous brothers, like,
1: no peaky time. Well, yeah. As soon as like the pottery started happening, I just like kind of hid my head. Okay.
0: Didn't you wonder if they were going to make that pot? Weren't you curious <laughs> how the scene was going to progress? <laughs> How did you know it was going to lead to sex and salaciousness?
1: Well, because my mom was like, there's the sex scene and I don't want you to watch that. Okay. But then you and I finally watched the whole thing, like after we were married. And so I was like, I'm finally going to get to see this scene. And then I was like, they don't even have sex. He's wearing pants. Wow, he is wearing his jeans the entire
0: time. Okay, let's let's talk about this another another way. Okay, for okay. one thing, this is a perfect specimen. Patrick Swayze was one <laughs> of the most beautiful dudes to exist. <laughs> he is so effing handsome, and so like the perfect body, mm-hmm. a brilliant dancer.
1: I, phys- I'm not, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. Like
0: the guy's wearing super tight. Jeans, yes, and his muscles are bristling. He's yeah. making out with Demi Moore, and yeah. you know, and she's like making pottery, like in his is anyway. Like <laughs> he's getting flustered. You guys <laughs> talking about Patrick Swayze? He does that to me. <laughs> This, if, if there's, come on. I mean, this is, this is a... What are you trying to tell me right now? <laughs> well, I'm like, it, to does te- it
1: matter that he's wearing pants?
0: I'm trying to tell you, like, this is, I mean, it's like the cover of, like, a, like a romance novel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean...
1: No, but I'm just saying, here's my mom telling me that there's, like, going to be sex in this movie. Like, movie sex. And I'm thinking this whole time that that's what had happened. And then I watch it in my, like, early 20s, and I'm like, oh... No, there's nothing like that. It's, I mean, it's it's sexy. It's
0: a sex scene. It absolutely is. It's intimacy. Yeah. It's erotic. But you don't even see his buns. I mean...
1: I'm just Listen saying. Listen to this crap. I'm just well, you saying. know, look,
0: look, so sir, sir Mr. Swayze, prior to this movie, he did a film called Roadhouse. All yes. right. Ooh, That's your, the movie he did right before. Yeah. So if you find this scene lacking, let me remind you that Roadhouse exists. I
1: don't find it lacking. I'm His just buns saying
0: is like it's it's a supporting character in that film. That's
1: true, because we did watch that recently. But I'm just saying I, I when I watched it as a grown adult Person, I was like, "Oh, okay."
0: Like when Sam and Molly are making this second pot, and they're kind of <laughs> losing control of it. It looks like a giant phallic symbol. <laughs> so I don't know what you're complaining about. I'm not especially complaining, especially considering that you were This is the age when you're watching Full House and Step by Step. This is some steamy stuff for you. It okay? Yes,
1: it is steamy. It's sexy, but I'm just saying. I was like, oh, I think my mom thought there was like more to it than there actually
0: was. No, I, I disagree. I think your mom saw the film. I think she knew what was in it, because in 1990, for a PG-13 movie, this was really hot. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I'm just saying... I, I had I a love different the, expectation, but I
0: love that you waited till you were married <laughs> to actually see
1: this scene. Okay, it's time. Well, I I wasn't like
0: trying to wait till I was married to watch this particular movie. Barry, it's our honeymoon, and you know now's the time. The time for what? We're gonna watch Ghost. I brought the video cassette. Can you turn on the VCR? Oh, we gotta rewind it. Hold on. Good thing wait, I brought a rewinder with me.
1: Pause. No, just kidding. <laughs>
0: It's weird, there's all these lines to the pottery scene. You must have paused a lot. <laughs> so yeah, uh this is I mean, this this scene became so insanely iconic that the year after this, Jerry Zucker and his brother and Jim Abrams, they made the Naked Gun 2. And the Naked Gun 2, the sequel, actually has a scene where leslie nielsen and priscilla presley are recreating the infamous uh you know the infamous pottery scene and as as recent as a year ago my dear cousin eileen who i love dearly she uh she called me and told me she was taking a pottery class and you know like the nerd i am i immediately said oh did you uh, guys play some righteous brothers and by the way no explanation required. She knew exactly what I was talking about. I mean, as if you know, that that doesn't tell you right there. I mean, like, for one thing, this film famously made pottery classes just explode. Suddenly everybody knew what these were.
1: Oh, I'm sure. And
0: everybody wanted suddenly to take a pottery class. Yeah, it's uh it's crazy how famous this scene is because and you know, because to your point it's not the biggest deal, but on the other hand, there really wasn't anything like it, other than maybe the refrigerator scene in Nine and a Half Weeks. But even that's like, I mean, that movie is is what it is. I mean, this is this is Ghost, and again, like, I, I, I it's interesting that this scene really, like, you could have cut it out of the movie, it really wouldn't have changed the dynamic of the characters at all. But because it's in the film. It, it not only does it double down on the love story, but it's, it's one of the most famous scenes in film. Yeah. Okay, well, just... We need to talk about it frame by frame. <laughs> Slowly.
1: Okay, I'm not saying it's not sexy. It is sexy. I'm just saying when I finally watched the actual scene and didn't cover my face because I
0: was like, didn't want to lie to my mom because I was a good girl... <laughs> you wanted to be scandalized when you finally was, saw this scene. You're like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, and I was like, I'm
1: ready. I've I've waited this whole time. We're finally watching it now. It really wasn't that big of a deal. But when we decided to watch it, because we just it was just a random movie night. I was like, Oh yeah, and I've never seen that scene. So whatever.
0: What is the sexiest sex scene you've ever seen?
1: Oh gosh, I don't know. Really? No, I don't, I have no idea. I don't think I like remember things like that. Really? Mm-mm.
0: Okay. For me, it's the player.
1: Oh yes. Okay, we just did an episode on the player, so you, you can go back and um, listen to that episode if you, you can haven't. listen
0: to us talk about that scene.
1: Yeah, which is actually I frame. could see why you would say that. It is very good. Okay, so all right, it's the next day.
0: Oh, we got to talk about the rest of the movie. Yeah, ah, I know. Right, we got to move on.
1: Okay, so Carl and Sam are at work, and Carl finds out that there's. Too much money in the accounts. And he's like, you know, this is kind of some more foreshadowing. And he's like asking, you know, Sam what him and Molly are doing tonight. And he's like, oh, we're going to go see Macbeth, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. Is there like, since they're going to see Macbeth, is that some.
0: Oh, I don't think there's any subtlety in this screenplay at all. (laughs) No, I don't. No, no. And by the way, you know, yeah, Tony Goldwyn's wonderful in this film, but, you know, if you know where the film is going, um, and for me, it was a real shock when we learned what's up with Carl, but like, watching him in this opening scene, of not the opening scene, but this, this pivotal moment where the plot's kicking in and he's coming to Sam about all the money that's, that, that should be there that's not there, or rather the money that, yeah, um, yeah, you can totally see what's coming. <laughs> yeah, you totally can. <laughs> it's, it's a little, you know, kind of wonder, like, doesn't Sam, like, I know this is his best friend, but like, even Sam should be like, "Uh, you're uh, usually pretty good at this. Too much money in the accounts. Uh, tell me more. It's like, uh, this is why I have you outside, and this is why I'm in here with the <laughs> AC.
1: <laughs> okay, so we see Sam and Molly walking home from Macbeth, and at one point she's like, I want to marry you, Sam. And he acts, like, surprised. He's like, you he never wanted to talk about it. And she's like, well, I need to hear We're you. We're going to be common say- law, Molly. <laughs> she says she wants to hear him say, I love you. And it's like, again. Can't do it.
0: Can't do it, Molly. Yeah,
1: it's like, are you kidding me?
0: I mean. I, I, After the pottery sex, you still can't say it.
1: <laughs> yeah. If that didn't get him to say it, I don't know what would. I mean, this is ridiculous. So then um, we see. Who we find out to be Willie Lopez, you know, coming out of the shadows. And he, you know, wants to steal Sam's wallet. He's getting mugged. He eventually gets shot by Willie. And then we see Willie run off and Sam go after him. But surprise! It's Sam's ghost going after him.
0: It's a nice reveal. I like the way they do that. Yeah. Pretty cool. And the white light. You know, shines down on. Yeah, Sam. well, Swayze comes back. Like, it's a shot of him running off into the background. So he's like running pretty out of camera range, chasing after Rick Avila as, as Willie Lopez. And then he runs back to the frame, and we cut to a quick spin around where he's suddenly looking at himself on the ground being cradled by Demi, Mo- Demi Moore going, Somebody help us. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great reveal, very effective.
1: Yeah. And so the white light is shining down on him, but Sam decides not to go. Which I'm like, wow. Uh, uh, why not? That you just get to decide. <laughs> I mean, he's like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna stay here. I'm not. I'm not gonna
0: go up there. Here's the voice like, Sam, it's your time. Uh, no, I'm gonna solve this mystery. Thanks. <laughs> Steps away, but all the mysteries be revealed. No, I need to know who killed me. Bye. <laughs> he's like, I can tell you that. That's okay. I'd rather figure it out
1: myself. I know I have like a, (laughs) some other ghosts I need to talk to. So it's so weird.
0: Well, there's a lot about (laughs) the supernatural stuff in this. That's, that's very, very goofy. But, um, and well, while we're talking about goofy, it is let's talk about the next couple of scenes that I always forget about, but I shouldn't because they're really weird.
1: Is it Sam at the
0: hospital? um because that's what happens he goes to the hospital well let's not forget that for a moment he wakes up like it's all a dream oh yeah and then he's in bed with the statue oh yeah super creepy the angel statue is in bed with him and it's like wow as if the pottery wasn't kinky enough for this dude he's in bed with the angel statue like what is going on
1: yeah i, I mean part of and me and then
0: he's in bed with now molly is in place of the angel statue and she's just kind of staring at him, and he's just kind of looking up at the light, which is now in his bedroom. And the scene quickly passes. It's it's very odd.
1: Well, I here's what I think maybe happened. Like, maybe as, you know, because they're trying to do, like, CPR on him and stuff. Like, maybe part of him, like, went back into his body. Like, he could have been saved, but they just, like, didn't. He just, then he couldn't. So, it was, like, maybe, like, a near-death experience where he had, like, I don't know some kind of dream
0: clearly as... that angel statue is very important to sam because not only does he find himself in bed with the statue but then he has a vision of the statue falling and breaking in the street yeah so i, I don't know I... if that's supposed to be a metaphor for his soul or for you know you know you know if you we're even supposed to find some kind of significance in what the statue is
1: you know what i think happened they're like you know what I hate this statue. We had to like hoist this thing up and I think the director and all the like people working on the film they're like let's just crash it down and then the director was like yeah we'll put it in the movie. You
0: know what would have been much more effective I think to convey Sam's passing to another time and place. I think it should have been not the statue but Molly's crappy pottery smashing down to the street.
1: You think her pottery is crappy?
0: Yes. Oh. <laughs> Yes, I do. I think it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
1: that's funny. Okay, well, after those weird kind of dream sequences, um, Sam is in the hospital. Hospital, and he, you know, another ghost-like dude is talking to him, and he's like, "You can, you can see me and hear me." And He's like, "Oh yeah, and they kind of watch another
0: guy. They're very chatty, very got, helpful these ghosts." Yeah,
1: very helpful. He, they watch another guy like die on, you know, an operating table and and the guy says like, "Oh, watch here. Here here they come," you know, and he's like, "Oh, good thing it was not the other ones," meaning like, good thing he's going to heaven.
0: It's he it, it was always explaining to me that this is how it works. I remember my mother telling me about it, like, yeah, like, you know, when someone dies, their soul over, you know, the the they see a light and they slowly like kind of their soul gets up and like floats towards the ceiling. And that's the visual here. And it's goofy. It's very, very goofy. I got to say, um, there are effects in this movie that I think are great because of how simple they are. The elaborate ones don't hold up, but I got to say at the time I found all of the special effects in this movie, pretty amazing. And, I'll, and we'll, we'll talk yeah, more about that.
1: Yeah. And then we see Sam's funeral, and he's at his own funeral. He sees a ghost walk through a tombstone, and she just kind of, like, waves at him. And it's like, what?
0: It's (laughs) odd. No, this movie could have used a lot less of that. Carl's looking pretty guilty at his friend's funeral, that's for sure. But at this point, we just think he's sad, and, you know, he's being Mm -hmm. a big brother to, to Molly. So it's okay. Nothing to worry about, folks. Well, now Sam's just
1: hanging out at his own apartment, and he you know, is watching Molly just be sad and, um, he scares Floyd the cat and, by like staring it into his eyes and that's kind of, I don't know. He's trying to talk to Molly, but... Well,
0: later on he weaponizes Floyd the cat with his power. yeah, that's true. so it's a bit of foreshadowing, like, look what he, look, because he's trying to figure out what he's capable of doing because at this point, I mean, he's just, he's the invisible man.
1: So now we see Carl helping Molly go through her stuff. Um, he convinces her to go on a walk, and then Sam doesn't quite know how to go through doors yet. And so he's practicing, like, going through the door. And then who breaks into the apartment? But Willie, who has a key, Sam tries to, like, fight him off, but obviously he doesn't know how to do that yet.
0: And this is my favorite special effects sequence in the movie, and it was explained to me how it was done. You basically have a shot of Riccavillas as Willie Lopez going up the stairs. And they shot separately Patrick Swayze, waving his arms around, trying furiously mm. to beat him. And they just put the two together. So you add the the sound effects, the... And you have this surreal thing of one actor just casually walking up a stairs. And another actor just like furiously trying to punch him and... Wa- and- we're going right oh, through. That's
1: them. interesting. I, I love it. That. It's
0: it's really cool if you know how they did it. It's it's like it's really simple uh, visual effects because there's there's almost no computer effects in this movie. There's no at this point in time there was almost no computer effects. Um, so I I do love the simplicity of that. I, I love all the shots of like you know like him running in through the subway and through the walls and stuff like that. Because um, again, it's like it's pretty it's pretty basic. Okay, so
1: Willie. He, he breaks into the apartment. Sam, well, Molly comes home. Yeah, Molly comes home, and he, Willie's, like, staring at her, and, like, Sam, not cool. Sam's like, you get away from her, and then he, like, uses Floyd the cat to scare him off. Get him, Floyd! Yeah. <laughs> Scratches the crap out of his face. Yes, um, so, Sam follows Willie and jumps through the door for the first time, and um, they end up getting on the subway together, and I was like, oh, this is probably Sam's first time, like, not paying to go on the subway.
0: And this is a major plot hole i have with this movie because sam is constantly he walks through walls but he sits down a lot and he lives on what a third story apartment he doesn't fall through the floor he jumps through subway walls but he doesn't fall into the train tracks
1: yeah like the physics don't make sense
0: they don't add up the film wisely doesn't explain them but there's just there's, a, you know, and then you have the lady, the ghost lady who's walking into her tombstone. And, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, this is where we meet the subway ghost. And
0: nobody flies. No, nobody flies. There's no flying. All right. They're ghosts. They should fly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, this is this is the subway ghost situation. And- Vincent
0: Chiavelli, wonderful, yeah. wonderful character actor. I love this guy. Cuckoo's Nest, Batman Returns, great character actor. Yeah, he plays the subway ghost.
1: Yeah, and just gonna spend eternity riding the subway, reading people's New York Times. Well, he sees Patrick Swayze like,
0: Get off my
1: dream. Yeah, and then this is where you know Sam kind of realizes, oh, hey, this ghost is doing some things. He's like breaking glass and like throwing him. Yeah. So it's pretty awesome. Um, Sam continues to follow Willie. And Willie calls someone and says he'll go back, you know, in a couple of days to get whatever he needs to get at the apartment. So, all right, we are. This is interesting. We don't know what's going to happen, but scared Sam is walking through New York and finds Oda Odom, Mae Brown,
0: <laughs> played by
1: Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Who's yeah. a fake.
0: Fake psychic. Fake psychic.
1: Yeah, yeah. And she's been
0: doing it a long time.
1: Total farce. Um, And I love this scene because she's like taking this woman for all this money and just pretending like she's communing with the dead. And Sam's just in there going, "Ugh, what a bunch of crap. And
0: she's like, she can hear him. At this point, the movie's been really bleak. So it does feel like, okay, this is different. The thing, like again, like you know, and, and I know. Look, like, most most people listening to this have probably seen Ghost a couple thousand times, especially if you're as old as we are. But like this, I mean, it's it's like wow, like it, the this the change to to a completely different tone. It you know the fact despite the fact that a few minutes earlier the film is so bleak at times, but uh, it works. I you know, and it's refreshing even.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she can finally hear Sam. She's been cheating on people this whole time, like, making it seem like she can hear the dead. But I think it's hilarious that she can hear Sam, and at one point she's like, are you white? (laughs) Like, oh, man, I got to help a white guy. (laughs) She's just, like, so put out by the whole thing.
0: Yeah, well, it's great because, you know, she says, you know, her mother had the gift. She never had the gift. Mm -hmm. Um, But nevertheless, she's, you know, probably following in her mother's shoes. This might be something that she helped her mother do, when she was a little girl, kind of like the plot to Ouija Origin of Evil, this idea of like, okay, this is the family business. This is what we do. People come into our, our little parlor and this is a little show that we put on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he convinces her to call Molly and tell her a message from him. But of course, Molly is like. And how does, he,
0: how does he convince her?
1: Well, no, he calls her and hangs up and then he's like, you have to go to her. Yeah. And then he starts, he sings, you know, to her he sings, all night She's long. She's
0: like the wind no. in my dreams.
1: <laughs> I wish he had sang that. But look, that would not convince me because I'd be like, oh, just keep
0: singing, Sam. Let, let me moon over Patrick Swayze a little more. So, like, you know, this guy stars in Dirty Dancing, which is one of the biggest hits of its year. And, like, a huge monster sleeper. And he has a number one song that year from the soundtrack. Like, it's Crazy, like the only other person I can think of who did that, like around that time of his fame, and for a similar kind of movie, would be John Travolta. Mm. John Travolta had a, I mean, he he had a had a, a charting song around the time that he was doing Saturday Night Fever. So, yeah. So the the, the comedic aspect of the film really kicks in, and we're introduced to Whoopi Goldberg's character, um, and and it's interesting because it's it's not so much about black and white; it's about the fact that she is. She's working class and, you know, she's like, she's a hustler in every sense. I mean, she's like, she's really, really, you know, performing and really working hard to, to bilk her, her prey, so to speak. Whereas, you know, Sam is, you know, white collar and, you know, yuppie. So it, it's interesting because, it, it, again, like the the film obviously makes the reference, the, the obvious reference, like, oh, man, this is like a white ghost that I have to help. But it's it's really about like the, the, the class difference and how like they're both out of their element with each other, which is really interesting because like it, the film in a weird way becomes a quasi buddy comedy.
1: Yeah, that's true. So finally... Oda Mae agrees, like just stop singing, and I'll I'll go talk to Molly. And so she's like yelling at Molly, you know, from the the street level, and he, and telling her like things. Um, oh, actually, no. Before that, they she agrees to meet her, and they're having like coffee or whatever. And she um, says, "Tell her I love her." And I love it that Molly's like Sam would never say that. You know, like, now I know you're lying to me. And then you hear Otome, she's like, what the hell is Ditto? And finally, like, oh, okay. Now we know that this is legit. This is really happening.
0: It reminds me how, because the film really milks the scene because, you know, Molly is stunned because, you know, the fact that she knows Ditto is obviously the connection. But, like, you know... Demi Moore does a slow turn towards the camera and the the camera goes for this glorious movie star close up of Swayze. And I remember like, oh yeah, that's right. People were really moved by the word ditto that year. That was like, that's the part of the movie that made everybody cry. That stupid word. Ugh.
1: Yeah. I, I don't, I, I mean, I can see why the movie needed something like this to kind of help with this plot point to convince her sure sure you know like okay Odame is really hearing from him yeah but it is dumb that this <laughs> is that this is the thing
0: i know a couple that dance to unchained melody at their wedding i do kind of wonder if like you know they they put it in their wedding we're like you know do you take this person i do and do you did I-
1: oh my gosh how many how many couples i would
0: have have been so ticked if you had done that like how uh, many ghost weddings happened in 1990
1: (laughs) you better say those words you better not say ditto don't you ever say ditto to me it's my
0: favorite movie i can't (laughs) help it
1: okay so that the part where um sam wants otome to say everything word for word and you know that's when she's like you're a danger girl that's a pretty popular line but um
0: yeah, because she talks away into her apartment, and yeah. that's when – it's interesting because, um, yeah, because Molly is starting to believe that Otome is real, and Odame is being – you know, she's basically just saying everything that – she's having this conversation with Sam, and, um, you know, Molly is like – she – she, she believes it because she's hearing the pattern. She's hearing the kind of conversation she used to have with Sam. She's hearing his temper. She's hearing, you know, his like, you know, some of the contradictory things he would say. It's like, so the idea is like, it's a one-sided conversation, but it's plausible to her. And plus the stuff that Otome throws out, you know, that yeah. like, remember this detail, this detail, you know, that, that you know, that you would only know because it was just the two of us.
1: Yeah. But then Molly tells Carl and he tells her she's crazy that Oda Mae is maybe trying to set someone up, and you know he does sound convincing. Like if you don't know
0: what the ending is, I mean, or even the second act reveal, yeah, yeah, like he's it. it it's kind it's still so, no, it's plausible, and yeah. the, I like that aspect of the movie because it's you know it's it's really about. How these characters are all reacting to to the supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the tagline of this movie was believe. And I remember seeing the poster, like, believe in what? <laughs> what is this movie? <laughs> it's just them kissing on the poster, but believe in what? Believe in true love, Barry. <laughs> yeah, I know that now.
1: Ditto. <laughs> but Carl, you know, is telling her, like, this is yes. a setup, someone she's just basically trying to scam people, which yeah. we know after seeing the first, you know thing with Oda May that yeah, like of course she's
0: a con artist. Yeah, and the a film con artist. and the and we know that. And Carl is wise enough to jump in that and be like, like, look, like we want Sam to be alive, or so he says. And you know, and and we you know, again like as you've indicated, it's great because it's com- this is a very plausible conversation about this yeah they're not going oh he's back and oh you know like it's the skepticism is healthy and realistic as yeah. opposed you know because in real life you know in although, real life
1: you'd be like yeah that's okay maybe we should maybe go talk to a psychiatrist
0: although you and i do know individuals who have been known to uh, call psychics and contact psychics so you know
1: yeah that's true yeah well, so Carl says he'll go check out this Willy Lopez guy and Sam goes with him. And
0: you're going, Oh no, man, like, yeah, like, like don't don't do that. Like Tony Goldwyn, you're no match for, for Willy Lopez, man.
1: Exactly. But this is where we find out what's going on. That Carl has four million dollars stuck on a computer. He needs the codes that only Sam had, and he's gonna get like eighty thousand out of this four million. I mean, he killed his friend for eighty thousand
0: dollars. That's the th- that's the most shocking thing. Carl and Willie are homies, and then the question you brought up, which is a very valid question: How do these guys know each other? Yeah, well, it's
1: like, what? Okay, so Carl, what <clears throat> he finds out that Sam changed the codes, and then what he just like goes out to this neighborhood and just like finds Willie and is like, "Hey, man, I have a job for you." Like, how? In like one day? I, I, I don't get this part.
0: I think maybe Carl and Willie were college roommates. <laughs> oh, no. And no. Willie like- really
1: did not go to college, I'm sorry to say.
0: He might have gone to community college. I
1: don't I don't think so.
0: For one semester. I think Sam and, and then he dropped out.
1: I think Sam and Carl have like MBAs in this world.
0: Then how the heck do these two? I don't know. know, each know. Other, yeah, okay? exactly.
1: I don't know. Because
0: people are always like, what about Doc Brown and Marty McFly? I think you can explain that with a few possible ways. This doesn't make any sense. No.
1: No, no, no. So
0: Cause by the way, this is the only friend that Carl has other than Sam.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, that we see. So, um...
0: Do you think, I mean, like, how did, how does that work? So it's like, you know, hey, Sam, I can't hang out with you tonight. I gotta go hang out with my murdering friend. <laughs> my murdering friend. I'm gonna and, go to the bad part of town.
1: I mean, I guess maybe, I don't know, New York is easy to find a murdering friend. I don't know.
0: Do you think it was like in the
1: classifieds? I, yeah, maybe they have In the like,
0: murder section? <gasps> maybe they have code words
1: and like they put ads out in the
0: paper. Looking for a buddy to help me take, take care, care
1: of, a of a gardening
0: problem. I need some weeds that need to be deadheaded. <laughs> Looking for a gardener with poison and sharp objects.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: We'll pay handsomely.
1: Cash. Cash job.
0: Yeah. Exactly. There
1: you go. Well- uh, so Molly ends up, she does end up going to the police about Willie, and the cop is like, all right. He's playing the cop. Oh, I can't remember his Steven name. Steven Root. Oh, yeah, Steven, Steven Root. Root from Office Space.
0: Yeah, and lots of others. He's a great yeah. character actor.
1: And I was like, oh, he's like really handsome in this. Yeah. Not in Office Space. They got him. They did him dirty with that makeup. Well,
0: I mean, that character is, yeah, you know. those glasses. That character is what would happen to Carl if he never murdered Sam and just stayed working in that office, <laughs> seriously, he would either have been Dwight Schrute or he would have been what's the name of the stapler character? Guy.
1: What's the name of the staple guy? Is it? I don't know. I can't remember. I'm look He's that up, I will find out. But um, uh, the the he tells Molly like, "All right, I'll I'll look up Willie's file." Fi- turns out Willie doesn't even have a file, but brings out Oda Brown's file, and it's like <laughs> all of like the charges that have been brought against her. It's like, oh man, I
0: love it. It's just like Whoopi Goldberg in like seven different yeah. wigs. <laughs> all, they must have had so much fun like, doing all that. all her
1: different outfits. Yeah, it is pretty funny. <laughs> um. Milton! Milton, Milton Wadams! Yeah, that's, that's right. That's who
0: Stephen Root played, yes. Yeah. And he's very good in Ghost.
1: So we see Carl setting up Rita Miller accounts to kind of like keep going on with this, um, you know, his money laundry scheme. Um, okay, this scene where Carl goes over to Molly's um, he just like shows up randomly and they ha- they're having coffee and he like pours coffee on his shirt just so he can like take his shirt off for her. <laughs>
0: I remember everyone in the audience being so angry. (laughs) It's like, oh, you bastard.
1: (laughs) Totally coming on to her. And what I hate about it so much is that she's like, you know, she's being very vulnerable. And she's like, I don't even know what to think about anymore. And he's like two inches from her face with like his shirt off, totally coming on to her. And he's like, just think about Sam. And I'm like, that doesn't even make any sense. Like if you're trying to like get it get on with this girl, why are you talking about Sam? Because
0: because because Julia, there is no greater aphrodisiac than the thought of Patrick Swayze with his shirt off and his tight jeans.
1: Maybe, and I mean, they do look similar enough that maybe he's thinking. He... If you close your eyes. Okay, okay, like the body type, pretty similar. No,
0: <laughs> she's like say ditto a few times. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Can you do it with a Texas accent? Oh,
1: my gosh. So Sam is watching this, and he is getting so angry that he, like, like jumps through them and, like, ends up hitting a picture of them off the table, and the, the picture goes flying. I
0: gotta say, like, he, he couldn't have picked a more poetic thing to knock off the table. It's yeah. pretty great. I
1: mean, they- It's a picture
0: and, of me happy. Look at that girl.
1: Yeah, and they look at it like- Oh, uh I mean
0: Oh, this apartment's haunted. I
1: feel like there should have been more of like a reaction to that. Like if a picture of you and I just like flew off the table and nobody was touching it or anything, I mean I'd be like,
0: what is going on? But man, the rats in this apartment are just out of control. Oh <laughs> wait
1: so that's when sam goes back to find the subway ghost because yeah. he's got to learn some moves
0: that's right man he's
1: got to learn how to move the move objects and like figure this thing out
0: and the subway ghost is just being a creeper just sitting next to some lady like reading like Doonesbury while she's just like reading her her you know her new york times
1: yeah but there is a moment where sam finally like you know i don't know throws a can or whatever and, and the subway ghost is just like way to go kid it's like he has like one moment of sort of like remembering his humanity and then he goes back to being paranoid
0: well the subway ghost is interesting because because the the key thing here is where it's it's he's revealed that he was thrown into the train tracks Mm. and sam presses him and he's like you think i jumped and it makes that's
1: what it means
0: they, well, th- it makes me wonder. Did he commit? What,
1: like that? He committed did he commit?
0: Did he commit suicide, or was he a mobster? Was he a criminal? Because oh. he sure as heck doesn't look like an ice cream man. I mean, you know, he's dressed in a black trench coat.
1: Okay, when he said they pushed me,
0: maybe and- he's lying to him. Maybe he committed suicide. I don't know. That's a good question. No, no. And I, I think the film is leaving it purposely vague.
1: No, that's not what I'm. That's not what I meant. I meant like when he said they pushed me, I thought he meant like the spirits, like. Pushed him out of like the afterlife and left him on earth.
0: No, I I think he's referring to his death. Yeah, I think, I think, I think whatever bookies, mobsters, what they, I think he was thrown into the tracks. Uh, That's the indication, or
1: maybe off a building.
0: Oh, no, into the subway tracks. That's why he haunts the subway. Uh, But I think that's, but that's also what he tells Sam. So it could be just, you know, he may have killed himself. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So maybe that's why he's like in this reality. This like- is limbo. This is yeah, limbo for limbo him. Limbo for yeah. him. Yeah. It's like
0: this, this this subway train is all I've got, so I'm not going to let any of the ghosts like hang out with me. I don't want company. Yeah. I do find it hard to believe that he can't smoke though. Oh. Because he can do everything else really well. And later on, we see a we see a ghostly character. Not to spoil it, but push a penny up a up a door so like why can't the subway goes get a drag or at least like steal someone else's cigarette and get a hit
1: he doesn't really have like lungs he doesn't really have a body i mean he's figured out how to like use emotions to push objects because I, i i don't think they can actually use their bodies i think it's just a matter of using feelings to manipulate the world around them
0: yeah but we recently saw a movie in which a super natural character ghost gropes a lady remember that film so yeah i think it's like
1: it's not so much But he couldn't feel her when he was doing that
0: yes so even if the the subway ghost can't like get a nicotine hit i think he would love to try and i think he needs to try harder
1: well okay Maybe maybe someone smokes on the subway and he can just sort of get like a...
0: Seriously, get a contact high. Why yeah, not? Why not?
1: All right. Well, after Sam learns how to manipulate objects and he goes back to Otome and like all the ghosts have found her and she's just like, Sam, like, look what happened. Death, I, everyone's here. Like they somehow... What did she put an ad in like the ghost paper
0: word got around the scene is here because it establishes that ghosts can possess humans that's why this scene is here although i don't like this scene this is the one part it's too broad it's too much
1: why because when orlando like jumps into her body yes it's too it's so so
0: silly i I don't know i I don't
1: because he's like what'd you do to your hair and she's like you like it (laughs)
0: It's just like I don't know, like it's a little sitcom with all the ghosts all standing around and they all leave and like walk through the wall together. It's just I don't know, like you know, I wanna get into the you know, the the integrity of this this vision of this supernatural world. And this is a little too like ghosts being jokey. It's a little yeah, it's a little too silly. Um because I, I feel like the comedy in this movie is otherwise, it's really strong. But this is this like is like, like, like it should be in Ghostbusters or something. No, Ghostbusters would be even edgier. It, Ghostbusters is a much edgier movie than this. But uh, yeah, this scene feels sitcomy and cutesy.
1: Well, then Willie shows up and tries to kill her, and, and the movie
0: um, instantly gets better.
1: Yeah, and so then so Sam is like <laughs>
0: she's like Willie Lopez. Thirty-three prospect plays Willie Lopez. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know she keeps telling everybody where he lives. Um, so Sam's like, "You have to do one more thing for me, and you have to dress up." And so the next day, Sam is taking her to the bank to pose as Rita Miller because we know that Carl has set up this account, and you know he wants. So he- Sam wants to make sure that Carl does not transfer this money to an offshore account and doesn't get his eighty thousand. So. Um,
0: I actually love the scene. I do too. Where
1: he takes Rita to the bank.
0: It's great. It's a long scene. And the film has confidence in it. Because the scene, it's suspenseful, but it's really funny. Because it's a fish water water scenario. Um, the give and take between between Swayze and Goldberg—it's very much like All of Me, the the Steve Martin film. I, I yeah, I dig this scene so much. I think it works really well. I think the comedy builds. There's a nice cameo from the director's mom at one point. Um, yeah, I and, and Goldberg is fantastic in this sequence.
1: Yeah, I love because she has no idea like how much money is in this account or anything, and so she's like, "Yeah, I'd like to close an account," and then he's like, "Okay, you'll be closing." four million dollars and she's like four million dollars and she thinks she's she thinks she's gonna get to keep all this money and sam's like no that's like that's blood money like you have to get rid of this check um and he makes her give it to the catholic church
0: <laughs> and i want to give a special shout out to uh the actor bruce joshow uh, as lyle ferguson yes um uh, the character is established as a moron, and this actor—it's a—it's a series of reaction shots, basically. But he's so funny in this. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, so good. So, what, um, what brings you here today? You're closing an account. I'm closing an account. Wow, oh, wonderful. Do uh, you have your account number? Yes. 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 Nine two six three one zero four
1: three. Nine two six three one oh, zero four three. Is it right? Yeah. Good.
0: Well, Rita, it looks like you'll be withdrawing four million dollars from us today. Four million dollars. Say yes. Say yes. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. That's correct. Easy. Easy. Yeah. Yes. Well, how would you like that? Tens and twenties. Pardon? Cashier's check. Tell him a cashier's I check. Think
1: better, cashier's check. <laughs>
0: shares Jack. Yeah. fine well uh,
1: of course uh, you know we require identification oh. for everyone it's just a procedural I I did. You I...
0: thank you well I'll uh,
1: I'll be right
0: back four million dollars
1: so she has to endorse it and give it over to the Catholic Church, and she is just...
0: and as you and like oh, it's like a Sister Act uh, prequel right here.
1: Yeah, I told Barry, I was like, maybe that's why she ended up joining the nunnery and you know, in the Sister Act because she wanted
0: to get her money back. You know, Sister Act, the care i don't remember the name of the character—but Sister, it opens up where I think she's a Vegas singer. Yeah. Vegas but after the events of this movie, I believe that Odame <gasps> could have gone to Las Vegas and been like, well, you know, I might as well try a different career because clearly the psychic thing ain't working.
1: Yeah, maybe she's in witness protection. Twice.
0: I mean, let's face it; she's always attracting the criminal element. So it makes it would make sense to me that Oda Mae would go to Vegas, start dating Harvey Keitel, and then have to like flee because she witnessed a mob hit, and then you know join the Covenant. She's like, well, and you know she's feeling what a uneasy. Wild
1: <laughs> life that this. If you like, just connected all these characters. <laughs> I want to
0: connect. I want to connect every Whoopi Goldberg movie ever made, <laughs> <laughs> which you can't because I think she's done like a hundred movies. So that okay. that's not possible.
1: Well, I love, like, you kind of see Carl at the office, like, waiting to, for at a specific time, he has to, like, transfer this money. And, you know, all of a sudden, it's, like, account closed, and there's no, the $4 million is gone, and and he's, like, checking all the computers. He's like, is somebody messing with the
0: computers? Oh, man. <laughs> the look on Goldwyn's face. I feel like, I feel like the director, Jerry Zucker, was just like, okay, Tony, I want you to just turn to the camera and I want you to give me a look like you've just saw a kitten fall into a wood chipper and action <laughs> cuz that's the look that he gives yeah. the horror and just like i mean he it's it's wonderful i mean cuz we got to appreciate what film acting is? I mean, you're surrounded by teamsters and you know, and production crew and actors and people are everywhere, and you're given the illusion that you know you're alone in a room. And suddenly, you know, some well, and there's like people working still. Like the office has people in exactly. It. You know and what I'm saying? The like Goldwyn is going from zero to a hundred very quickly here. um It's a heck of a thing to play. Not to mention the fact that I mean, like we're watching a guy basically get an ulcer in front of us as yeah, we're watching exactly. yes it's anyway I I love what he does here because it's it's not subtle but it, but you know and it's so so satisfying it really is at this point we hate this guy so like, much it's great
1: I mean everyone leaves the office and he's still there trying to figure out what went wrong and Sam I shows he's up he's like did
0: anybody like said, like, anybody messing around with the computers like like, what is he talking about like are you guys playing Tetris again <laughs>
1: Hey, are you guys joking? Did you X out my accounts to zero again? <laughs> I told you not to do that. It really messes up my. <laughs> I hate this stupid office.
0: God, I wish I had an office like Sam. I hate you guys. I hate working out here. <laughs> so- Carl's having another breakdown again. <laughs> we hate Carl.
1: But Sam this is where um he like types out murderer on the computer <laughs> and then he's like who did that who's doing that and he just writes Sam 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 you know I mean Well which Sam? <laughs> you got
0: to be more specific. Is it Sam in accounting?
1: <laughs> okay but if <is> that like <laughs> Why is Carl just like not having a heart attack right here? <laughs> like seriously, he he's so freaked out by the money thing, and now he's being haunted by his. It's
0: gotta be friend. well, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, he's alone in this office, and suddenly this is happening, and suddenly his guilt is being manifested by these little freaky things. It's yeah, it's I, I agree with you. He takes it pretty well.
1: Yeah, because then he goes over to Molly's. And he's, you know, like, I mean, like sweat just like pouring through his shirt. And it looks like he ran all the way there. Yeah, and she which he probably like, did. She's like, "What's going on? Does it have anything to do with, um, you know, someone I saw at the bank and you know, she's like, yeah, by the way, her name's not Odome Brown. It's Rita Miller. And it's like,
0: oh, no. I remember even in the theater when the audience was like, oh
1: no." Being, to me yeah like, we're rooting for you yeah why did you do that because she briefly sees them at the bank and it's like oh man okay so sam goes to warn Odame, and um like i love this like he tells her to like they gotta get out of their apartment and then willie's in the apartment and he is just like messing with him like writing boo on the mirror and <laughs> you know what i mean like to just being a ghost.
0: Yes. Though, I, again, this movie is not scary. No, no, it's not <laughs> scary at all. No, it's not That'll scary. That'll Boo. It actually,
1: like, is more of a comedy in some of these ways. In some scenes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Willie runs out, uh, freaked out, and, like, gets hit by a car. And then this is where, you know, he sees his dead body, on the car. and then Except
0: the light doesn't appear no, for Willy really Lopez. No, light. no.
1: Mm-mm. The
0: bad ghosties. And I guess it like... The, the bad
1: eff- shadow ghosts.
0: The effects here are terrible, but... Well, it's but, like shadow
1: demons, I yeah,
0: guess. terrible effects, but the sound effects. Yeah. Had they just done the sound effects, I think it would have worked. As opposed to what we have here, it's just... Ridiculous.
1: You don't think shadows carrying him off is scary?
0: No, I I think it's silly. (laughs) I think it's real. And at one point, I think it's, it think it's the second time they appear. One of them actually looks at the camera, and you can see like uh, it it looks like almost like a oh like like a like a cutout of like two eyes and a mouth. It's so silly. No, yeah, that's true. No, no, no. This is
1: it's like if B drew like the bad guys. really
0: <laughs> well she's done some pictures that looks just like that um i don't know because uh, i mean at the time it was very effective because it's so surprising it comes out of nowhere and it's it's weird and it's you know it's suddenly like this is where it's like okay this is the i mean i don't know if i'd say it's horrifying but i mean it's it's really like it's really dread inducing which is like again like this film is pulling all sorts of emotions out of us considering that we were just laughing just a few minutes earlier
1: right so, then we see um, Sam and Otome go back to Molly's, and this is where- um, This is
0: my favorite scene in the movie. Oh, it is? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because- uh, like He
1: moves the penny up He the moves top. the
0: penny, and I, I love that so much. And I love it. That's, that's the thing that, like, okay, Molly's like, I, I okay, now, clearly, you can't, you know, I could explain away the other things, can't explain away this. Goldberg has a line here. It's always moved me so much. Um because it, it's a big moment for her character. It's like if this character has an arc, it's in this moment where she's yelling to Molly on the side of the door. And when she says, I, I've i always been moved by this. She says like, you know, can't you see I'm not a fake? Not about this. Mm. And I love that because that's, that's huge for her. She's been lying her whole life. Yeah. You know, and, and this has been like, I mean, her whole life has been about performing and being deceptive and really not being, you know, a good person in a sense. Yeah. And now- giving
1: people false hope and, you know, false connections.
0: Because the thing that I really like a lot, because again, like it feels like a really good character choice, is the scene where, the first scene where she's in Molly's apartment with Sam, and she backs away. You remember that? I love that, where she's like, "Uh, I don't want to get involved in this. This is like, this isn't just about two people communicating. This is weird criminal stuff. she
1: backs away because she- realizes that willie lives in her neighborhood yeah but again like that's that's
0: terrific because it's it's like oh like uh, because that's a that's a really great human reaction it's like you know well i'm like you know i'm just learning that i can actually do this for real but like i don't want to take this too far because i can go to jail i already have i already have a A giant file Yeah. yeah at the police station yeah so so yeah so no this this moment it's really her like it's like you know there's more to this character than this story obviously and I think, you know, had they done a spin-off movie with this character, not Sister Act, um, <laughs> I think it would have been fascinating because, you know, she has this amazing ability and this is the beginning of it. And she's using it for good. This is the first time she's ever used this ability, genuinely using it for good. But yeah, so the movie suddenly stops. And I love it because... Like the film, at time like it, it's very well paced, but it, but it has these scenes where the film just—I mean, like the bank scene is very long. The pottery scene is uh, bookended by the shot of the records in the in the mm-hmm. jukebox. Mm-hmm. Like the movie finds these moments to like slow it down for the audience. Um, it just shows like the the film is really well paced. It knows what's working, what isn't working, and yeah, this scene where the three of them are just sitting and waiting. Um, it's interesting because it's almost like this, sh- it feels like the film is about to end at this point,
1: yeah. Well, and this is where Otome is like, Fine, you can use me, you know. Because, um, Sam is like, I wish I could touch her just one more time, and so, um, Otome is like, Okay, possess me, Sam. <laughs>
0: It's odd, and when this film came out, like it was not, it was not critically adored by everyone. The, the reviews were mostly good, but very divisive. And this was a scene I remember. Roger Ebert and a lot of other critics pointed out, like, "eh, this scene doesn't have any guts." They said that if the film was a lot bolder and a lot more daring, it would have shown Swayze possessing Goldberg. But then, you know. Um, it would just, would have been Goldberg, you know, touching and caressing Demi Moore and people have said, like, oh, that would have been so much more moving. That would have been so much more honest and daring and groundbreaking. And, you know, again, like, you know, 1990 sheepish about, about anything that looks, you know, unorthodox, I guess. I mean, um, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of things that, that might've been, you know, might've been a little loaded, I think for some, for some, you know, uh, I mean, the fact that it's, you know, possession for one thing. Um, I like the way they do it because it's a shot of Demi Moore holding um, Whoopi Goldberg's hands. Mm-hmm. And then the hands sort of fade away and Swayze comes into the frame. So the visual indication of, about what's happening. And they never, you know, they it's always just about Molly and Sam being back together again. That's what the scene's about. I think we should have had at least one shot of 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 Goldberg and to me slow dancing. Mm. I do I do think we needed that just to establish like the like
1: yeah it's not really happening the real yeah because yeah.
0: the movie makes it like then they're together again they're not and the movie established the rules of that. Right. I don't think the movie needed to go full tilt to what others have suggested um, because again like it, it not only takes away from the fantasy literalizing it is is a little odd because we are talking about possession here
1: right right.
0: Um, um yeah so i like the moment although the movie doesn't really need this moment
1: yeah i mean you know last night watching it you know i realized like demi moore has her eyes closed the entire time right you know so you do
0: that's evoking okay yeah yeah, she's you know she
1: knows it's not really sam yeah you know so but yeah i agree like because they do show like a a shot of this huge apartment massive again. apartment, and
0: then they're down there and it's like well, yeah
1: and it, it shouldn't be, be
0: patrick swayze it should have it should been, been Whoopi. yeah and they yep. could
1: have shown like a long shot of them and just to be remind you like oh yeah this is a weird situation here
0: and it would have created yeah. the visual indication like you know look, like this is a, a huge gesture that Oda May is making here like this is you know this is beyond friendship this is Yeah, you know leasing her body or or however you want to put it super weird
1: reality but I don't know
0: that the possession angle really works for this movie but you know the film tries to make a romantic moment of it
1: yeah okay so um, so then
0: suddenly we're back to being a thriller
1: suddenly Carl returns and like Sam like shoots out of (laughs) Whoopi Goldberg's body and is like oh I'm so weak because apparently it weakens you I don't know and um, yeah, just
0: possession in general. Not not possessing whoopee per se, but right. like possessing anything. Yeah. And this, I don't know. It feels like okay, the movie is wrapping things up, so it's like quick chase, everybody chase each other. I don't know if that really makes it a lot of sense. Well,
1: because like they go out the window and then they go into like I don't know another apartment. I don't remember above. or mom next is like, time. leave
0: us alone, Carl. <laughs> like how th- how threatening is this? Leave us alone. When girl. it's like it's like.
1: We don't like you anywhere, Carl. Go home. I'll call your mom. You're such a big bully. Stupid. Go home. <laughs> We're not friends anymore. Yeah, because he's like, just give me the check. Just give me the money and, you know. Uh,
0: it doesn't make any sense. Because, like, I mean, look. Like, oh, he's a gonna,
1: banker. You're not going to kill them. He
0: can't it. fake or forge a check for $4 million? Well, I mean. Because it's about getting the money to the people, right? So, like, he could he, just.
1: He can't forge a check he would
0: just bounce like how he's a banker he can't like he can't come up with some way to 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 fake this or even just to like you know come up with a fake check and then like flee the country i I don't know it's pretty like give me the check
1: where's the check? like go find those nuns
0: (laughs) yeah there's a movie there's a movie
1: (laughs) He's just like,
0: starts terrorizing the nuns at the convent. Yeah, knocking on the door. Hi, do any of you nuns have a $4 million check? I lost mine.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, Molly and Odame are just like running over rafters and like trying to get get away. And
0: yeah, It's pretty they, silly. They
1: kind of get into like a hand-to-hand fight with Carl, you
0: know, like where, seriously. <laughs> well, Steve, Tony Goldwyn takes them and throws Yeah, him, you yeah, know, exactly. Molly like hits like a bunch of barrels and he's like strangling Whoopi.
1: Yeah. And then finally, Sam gets his strength bath, which seems like, well, that didn't take too long. It took like, what, a no, minute?
0: No, big deal. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and power up. Here we go. Yeah,
1: exactly. He just, t- he ate some power pellets and then, um.
0: Yeah. I mean, my phone doesn't charge up as quick as Sam Wheat does. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so at some
0: point he um yeah he basically like a window breaks and then well the way sam fights him is so funny because it's almost like when my hey marty my my my, my, my brother marty producer of the show when we were kids we should like stop it like hitting each other like tapping <laughs> each other stop it that's how they're fighting really because <laughs> sam's using his ghost powers to be like you know like like just
1: like messing with him just yeah like, exactly like hitting him and like
0: why do you hate yourself why do you hate yourself yeah. huh, huh? <laughs> that's really what it what like, this fight scene looks like
1: <coughs> like really juvenile yes okay so window breaks and then uh carl like falls into like the window frame and then it. it's a nice bit of gore
0: yeah it comes yeah the, down, the, the it shard like, comes down and and boom the splatter like clearly it was the squib like oh that looks great this is a PG thirteen love story. What's going on? Movie got an explosion of gore. Like man, yeah, it must have been a fun day on the set. It's pretty epic, actually. I
1: mean, you know what? We need something satisfying because Carl is terrible.
0: I guess it wasn't satisfying enough to watch him get an ulcer in real time. It's no, like, no, we got to watch this no. guy bleeding you know, ulcer with a, was a not shard of glass him. explode his chest. Yes, yeah. yes, and then it gets worse.
1: So he, but it's it's funny. Like he gets up, you know, like all the other dead people and. And before he realizes he's dead, and he's just like, Sam? And, I mean, the look on Sam's face, I mean, it's like, is he kind of glad to see him or not really? I don't
0: know. No, no, no. I think it's like, oh, I know what's going to happen next. Oh,
1: yeah, because then
0: the... the, You're going to go in the Willy Lopez Express in a second here. Exactly. And ah, they all come alive, the little shadows. And And just, like, take him off. Yeah.
1: They just take off with Carl, and that's the end and of And the
0: look on Tony Goldwyn's face as they're pulling him away is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. No, I mean, you know, again, like, when I saw this in the theater, it was shocking because it's so strange, and it's very jarring. Even if you know it's coming, it's very, very, like, like oh, this is surreal. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> um,
1: so... After that, I mean, what, Sam's murder has been solved, justice has been served, and so then- Has it? it? The gates of heaven open up, <laughs> they're like, welcome home, Sam. <laughs>
0: Good job. Now yeah, you go back yeah, to Yeah, exactly.
1: Like, um, really? Like, now that Sam has helped kill two people-
0: And solved a valuable mystery. <laughs> Come home, Sam.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, he could. We have
0: a pottery wheel up here for you. (laughs) Also, can you do some spackling for us?
1: Yeah. I mean, he could, you know, just like lead the police on an investigation to like serve, have
0: justice be served. He had to just murder them. You know what that is? That's the plot of Ghost Whisperer. Oh. Remember the Jennifer Love Hewitt show, Ghost Whisperer? Yeah. That's what that show was.
1: Oh, yeah. It was like
0: if Otome Brown was a detective.
1: Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, what do you, yeah, do you think, he, yeah, he just gets to go to heaven now
0: <laughs> after all that. Well, as we all know, you know, if you know, if you murder two people who deserve to die, you'd get to go to heaven.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep, that those are the rules. <laughs> That's a movie
0: rule right there. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about this because this scene always moved me, but it's... I don't know. Plays very fast and loose with the rules that are barely explained because suddenly Molly can hear Sam. Yeah, and, but, and see they can both can see him and hear him. So, but and like it's I love the visual of this. Adam Greenberg shot this movie, and and Adam Greenberg also shot T two. Like he's a really great DP, great cinematographer, and the way they light Swayze in this scene. I mean, I suspect it's a lot of color correction too. But like you know, he has this kind of effervescent glow. But then. He goes in to kiss her and he's a transparent ghost. Yeah. Why? And why would she, I mean like this is the question of like why would the subway ghost, the subway ghost like, you know, uh, you know, if he was smoking a cigarette, he would just be faking it. He can't get a nicotine hit. So why are they doing like a smooch where, where Molly is just like, you know, pursing her lips to nothing and not feeling anything. I know.
1: That's the thing. I'm, is she She kind of does this kissy face and like closes her eyes. And I'm like, can she even feel
0: anything? No, because we can look right through him. Yeah. If anything, they should just look at each other in the eyes a few times and be like, ditto, 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 ditto,
1: ditto. <laughs> and then like, finally, he says, I love you to her, which is like. And
0: everybody starts to cry. And as many people have noted before, and I'll be the 50 billionth person to say it, Demi Moore looks amazing when she cries. Oh. Oh man. She's a good it's cry like, writer. Wow. Beautiful, gorgeous, shimmering tears. Yeah. Yep. I know. It's pools, pools. It's
1: beautiful it is beautiful. Yeah.
0: You know, my favorite moment with her in this movie, and we'll finish talking about the film in a second, but there's that scene where she's got the coin in a glass jar. Uh-huh. And she pushes it down the stairs and it shatters. Yes. I've always loved that. I love the visual of it. I love the emotion of it. It's, it, I don't know. It, I dig that scene.
1: The only thing I think about is like, oh, man, now you got to clean that up? That stinks. Mm. All that glass on those stairs. Yeah, that's a good She's point. She's going to find glass just like
0: all over that huge apartment now. I used to be able to call the shirtless bros who would come <laughs> here and be Carl and Sam. they clean everything up. And they take off their shirts, and they would clean everything up for me. And now I have to do it myself. Or I got to get Carl to do it. and It's not the same. He gets on the tight jeans, and he takes off his shirt. It's not. But the it's same. not. It's it's not Sam Wheat. <laughs> so yeah. So so Swayze. You know um, the last line that he has is "See you," and she said "See you," and we see this. Oh yeah, he's like the it's amazing, Molly, the love that you feel. No, I gotta say, like when Swayze when when uh, they started printing uh obituaries for for Patrick Swayze, they a lot of a lot of them uh quoted that line that he has in the film because they're like they love Which line? The whole thing, it's amazing, Molly, oh. the love that you feel. And then, you know, ellipsis see you. You know, it, it's I don't know. Some people find it very moving. I'm kind of like it's it's odd, but these are this is a very odd couple. So I guess it's I guess it's okay. But yeah, he walks into he walks into this ethereal plane where there are silhouettes of of uh, of little white stick figures <laughs> greeting him into the afterlife. And to the film's total credit, I love it. It just ends. Yep, that's There's it. There's not like... Because, by the way... Not like five ca- years well, later. Well, no, no, no. Here's the thing. They called the cops. Remember that? Yeah. They called the cops. Those cops never show. <laughs> <laughs> like, i guess that i guess that fits it's like eh, it's new york of course the cops are like you know out solving well, like they're, gonna triple show, murder, they're gonna homicide. show
1: up and they're gonna find carl's body well, well the thing take is, statements but like we don't need to see all that
0: well the thing is well that's but that's like the obvious prologue like so what happened here how come this guy uh hmm not only is his soul gone but like he's got a big piece of glass where his uh, testicles used to be and um <laughs> why is there scaffolding everywhere like what happened here <laughs> You know, and May is like, yeah, let's have lunch sometime. Like, no, like the the film is like, no, he went to heaven. The movie Done. is over. Yeah. Go home. There's nothing else. It, it, it's not going to top this, which I which I respect. Because
1: it's about a ghost and there's no more ghosts. So bye.
0: <laughs> That's right. He He solved his own murder and he murdered two people in the process. <laughs> and that therefore made him worthy of going to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah.
1: Now, if I saw you as a ghost and you said "see you," I would be ticked at you. See you. Yeah, I'd be like, "What? That's the most profound thing you've got."
0: <laughs> oh. What do you think of the uh, the violin instrumental version of Unchained Melody that plays during the ending?
1: Oh, I mean, I love I love that yep. music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, they they play it in the. Opening credits after the jump scare, they kind of play an instrumental of that song.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the they played that song in the trailer too, and the Unchained Melody, like everything else attached to this movie, became a huge hit. It was pretty weird because, it, you know, <laughs> like MTV, be like, okay, and number three, Soundgarden, number two, Nirvana, and number one. The Righteous Brothers, Unchained (laughs) Melody from Ghost, and they would show the video on MTV and it would just be the pottery scene. (laughs) I'm not kidding. And then my mom is like, turn that off. That is filthy, filthy, (laughs) filth. You're not going to watch that until you are married. (laughs) And it's not going to be on your wedding night. It's going to be on your honeymoon. And then you'll watch it. (laughs) And you'll learn a thing or two about a thing or two.
1: Yeah. Okay, Mom.
0: <laughs> That's strange. Your mom gave us ghost as a wedding present.
1: <laughs> like, oh, look, nobody, nobody, There's it doesn't say who it's from. I'm like, oh, I know who it's from.
0: Yeah, we knew who sent us this. <laughs> so um, this film came out in the summer of 1990, and it was a pretty notorious summer because... It was, uh, you know, it was like between two movies that summer, two films, one of which was Dick Tracy, which was like the first major comic book movie coming out after Batman. And then Days of Thunder, which even though it didn't, it wasn't a sequel to Top Gun, same director, same producer, same star. So everybody was like, oh, it's like Top Gun with cars. And neither of those films really delivered like everybody thought they would. They were not giant hits, and it was a summer of all these violent action movies. And some of them were really good. Some of them weren't. I liked a lot of movies that came out that summer, but like it was just a summer where like the films were so violent. Arachnophobia came out that summer. Oh. I dig that film. There was, and Back to the Future Three. Like there were a lot of fun movies that came out, but like for the most part, every every movie underperformed. Like they like there was no through the roof hit. There was no not one movie that everybody universally loved. And then the end of summer, here comes this movie. And, you know, like I said, they had this this nationwide sneak preview. Word of mouth kicked in. And it just became this massive, massive hit. It became one of the biggest hits of all time. And it it completely changed the trajectory of the three stars. It was really cool because, you know, Swayze, after Dirty Dancing, unfortunately, he did some action movies. You know, in addition to Roadhouse, he did these movies like Steel Dawn and, and Next of Kin, these movies that just did not work. Um, he, it was really looking like all the momentum that he had from Dirty Dancing was just going away. Same thing with Demi Moore. She was in a bunch of flops. And Whoopi, you know, Whoopi Goldberg, you know, she's, she's people call her stand-up comic. I mean, she's really more of a performance artist. You know, her if you look at her early stand-up, she's doing characters. Um, and she was brilliant at it. But, like, she gets cast in Steven Spielberg's The Color Purple, her first movie, lead role. And she just nails it. She's so fantastic in it. And then Hollywood, to its shame, they try to make her the next Eddie Murphy. And she's not that at all. And they put her in these, like, action comedies like Jump Jack Flash and Fatal Beauty. And the films weren't good. And she was misused. So, it's, it, like, these three leads it really seemed like they are on their way out. And this film happens and they're so perfectly utilized in these roles that everybody turned down, nobody wanted to make this movie. Like, this fame, like, this, the, the lead of Sam Wheat was famously passed by, like, everybody.
1: Well, can you imagine reading this script? I mean, it's, it's so, nuts. It's so weird. It's so
0: nuts. Yeah. And, like, you know, I was telling you the other night, like, Michael J. Fox admitted, like, he was up for the role of Sam Wheat, and he's like, no, that film is not going to work. And he, <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, it did work. Um, I don't think it would have worked with him. I think it would have worked
1: with him. The pottery scene with Michael J. Fox? No. (laughs) Who would have been the... the, He couldn't have done that with Demi Moore. She's like... She would tower
0: over him. You're saying that short guys can't be with tall girls?
1: Not in the movies.
0: What about Tom and Nicole?
1: Mm, I mean, she really has to just wear flats to be with him. (laughs) It doesn't work.
0: (laughs) All right, we'll figure out who. They're could like have...
1: eye to eye. D- Demi Moore and Michael J. Fox, and no.
0: Mm-mm. All right, well, who? He
1: would be behind her at the pottery wheel, and you wouldn't be able to see him.
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> you monster!
1: He's he's my height. He's like five four.
0: <laughs> who would be a good match for Michael Fox? Then well, I don't who? know.
1: I don't know. Who's it? who's tinier? I, I don't know. I just know it's not Demi Moore. <laughs> oh man.
0: I don't like where this is going at all. So, this film was written by Bruce Joel Rubin. Um, he won the Academy Award for this screenplay, which is nuts. I, I def- definitely didn't see that coming. Um, Bruce Joel Rubin is the author of Jacob's Ladder came out the same year and Jacob's Ladder was a very famous unproduced screenplay nobody could figure out how to make it and it wound up being an Adrian Lyne film came out the same year and they very wisely did not say from the from the maker of Ghosts cuz Jacob's Ladder is a very different film but although it does deal with the afterlife it does deal with the supernatural it's one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen in my life and I love Jacob's Ladder I think that's his masterpiece um, but it, I love that these films like are both from Bruce Joel Rubin. They came out the same year. He does do films that deal with the metaphysical. He's also the author of, uh, uh, Brainstorm. Um, yeah, I like I like his, his writing a lot. And he's always been one of these guys who takes the afterlife and the supernatural very seriously. He's also the author of uh, deep impact, which I'm not really a fan of. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, if those if those who like Bruce Joel Rubin, particularly his writing for this film, um, if you want to see, if you, if you want to see a movie about the supernatural from the same author that does not have you walking away feeling like you're on top of the world, Jacob's Ladder. It's excellent, but it's a tough one. Nothing oh, yeah.
1: Well, that is a listener request. So it is. we will be doing that one. I
0: hope so, yeah, because I yeah. love Jacob's Ladder. Mm-hmm. I like Ghosts a lot. Um, I do feel like there's some stuff in it that doesn't quite work, and I guess it's inevitable for a movie that switches gears as much as this. But for me, it's a solid three stars.
1: Mm. Yeah. I think three and a half for me.
0: It was three and a half for me the first time I saw it, um, but now that the, the shadow ghosts <laughs> are so silly because <laughs> they used because they used to creep me they out they used to be scarier yeah I, yeah and i can't now i'm just like oh that's ridiculous when i was a ridiculous. kid at
1: this uh, sleepover shadow ghost i was in been quite the sleepover really really scary yeah you get to
0: see all the scary parts but you deprive yourself of the sexiness
1: yeah yeah exactly have you
0: ever taken a pottery class
1: mm, no Hmm. I painted pottery, but not. I haven't done the like shaping of the pottery.
0: I tried it once, and it was really hard. When you're like stepping on the wheel, making the wheel spin, I find that that's oh. very difficult and not the sexy. Hand, it's the just hand
1: eye like foot coordination exactly. was just like not working for you. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think I would make equally bad pottery if I would really try to keep it up as Molly. As Molly does, yeah. Molly's <laughs> pottery sucks, but that's okay because I think Sam's like oh. It's time for me to put on some righteous brothers.
1: Yeah. So I guess that's a good thing that, you know, she married like a – or she was with a rich guy because <laughs> pottery is not really selling. Yeah, there's,
0: there's selling. no <laughs> – I sold a <the> pot today. <laughs> that's, that's great, Molly. Well, you know, I closed an escrow account and I just uh, made 30% of $900 million. Yeah. Yeah, but you didn't hear me, okay? I sold a plant pot today, okay? <laughs> that pot is going to be in in a juice bar, okay? People are going to drink their juice and they're going to look at my pot. I'm uh, sure they will, Molly. I it's mean
1: – Is it like at a Jamba Juice?
0: <laughs> no, this is before – this is 1990s. So a juice bar would have been like, you know, carrot juice. Oh,
1: no, yeah. okay. So even less popular than a Jamba Juice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's that bad part of New York, you know? Mm, okay. It doesn't even have a name. It's just Juice Bar on the door.
1: <laughs> that's funny. All right. Well, any uh, final thoughts? Ditto. Oh, my gosh. Oh,
0: my. By the way, I once sang a terrible rendition of uh, Unchained Melody in a karaoke machine.
1: Wow. That's terrible. That's
0: brave. It, may, it is the most tone-deaf... <laughs> so embarrassing that I even attempted that I really thought I could do it I think it was 14 at the time oh babe. Oh, thank god there were no phones at that point It's oh, a, yeah. a lot of stuff in my youth I'm glad nobody recorded nobody recorded that I don't have that on YouTube just out there but yeah one, once upon a time in my youth I butchered this song <laughs> hunger just oh, awful awful <laughs> yeah
1: alright well let's not turn off everyone from our uh podcast (laughs) if you want to hear barry karaoke
0: uh no just kidding no don't do that anyway i hope you enjoyed this episode of ghost thanks everyone for listening
1: all right good night everybody